0: Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. What an amazing, what an amazing promise. What an amazing gift we've been given. And as we sung through those songs this morning, just praising our God as a promise keeper, as, as a way maker. And I'm sure that each of us can look in our lives and, and see times that he just made a way. There was no way, but he made a way. What a beautiful way to transition and continue in worship this morning as we get into the Word. Good morning, Harlan. I am Pastor John. the discipleship pastor here. Thank you so much for joining us. Last week, Pastor Ed opened a new series, Building Character, Life Hacks for Moving Forward. And we walked through the life of Abraham, and we learned about worship. And today, we're going to continue in that lineage of Abraham, and we're going to take a life, a look at the life of Joseph. And as I reflected over the text and and worked through putting this sermon together this morning, there was something that was resonating, and it's a, a term that was at least new to me in 2020. And it's this idea of this new normal. And as we look around us and we're like, well, this is happening, that's just the new normal. Or when we've buried family, there's a new normal there. Or in damaged relationships, there's possibly a new normal. But in all of those things we see like this negative implication that goes with them. So as we walk through the text this morning, I want to see, I want you to reflect on that new normal. And I want to see if we can't recover this term for something positive. And the title for this morning's sermon is, Joseph, Strengthening Your Core. And not because it's getting hotter and we're coming into beach season, we're not gonna camp out in Genesis 39, 6 where it talks about Joseph's physique, but we're also not gonna pass it over either. We're going to take a look at strengthening our, our core as it relates to our values and our virtues. And we're gonna use Joseph's life as an example. Now much of the text this morning, we're gonna stay for the most part camped out between chapters 39 and 41. Joseph being a direct descendant of Abraham, Of course, Abraham fathered Isaac. We studied that last week. And then Isaac fathered Jacob, and Jacob had 12 sons. And Joseph was one of those sons. He was Jacob's favorite, one of 12, and everyone knew it. He made Joseph a special coat that was richly ornamented, and his brothers were jealous. They didn't like him very much, and in a weird way to make matters worse, Joseph was honest, and he told it like he saw it. He would give his father honest reports of what everyone was up to. On top of that, he had some dreams that really fueled that fire, one of which being that his family would bow down to him. One day, his dad sends him to check on his brothers who were out in the fields with the sheep. And as he goes out there, his brothers plot against him And they put him into a cistern. And then they sell him to merchants who were going to Egypt. When he gets to Egypt, he's sold to Potiphar, the captain of the guard. After being sold to Potiphar, we see that he runs Potiphar's household. Now Joseph was handsome. He was nicely put together. And Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. But Joseph rejected her advances. She accused him of rape. So Joseph was put into prison, and then we see Joseph become the head of prison. He interprets some dreams while in there for the king's cupbearer and for the baker, and later the king has a dream, and Joseph is summoned to go and interpret that as well. And he does, and the king is impressed with Joseph, and he puts him in charge of the food supply in Egypt. And now Joseph is only second in command to Pharaoh. Famine comes into the land, and Joseph's brothers have to come to Egypt. Joseph sees them. He recognizes them, but they don't recognize Joseph. Joseph forgives his brothers, and through a series of events, his entire family comes to Egypt. Joseph's story really is remarkable, and there are some great life lessons that we're going to extract from his story this morning. And the first one is this, that Joseph's life teaches us to seek excellence in everything we do. Seek excellence in everything we do. And one of the first things that you notice when you look at Joseph's life is the success that he enjoyed in life. Regardless of the obstacles that were thrown into his path, he always rose above them. He always ended up successful. And in Genesis 39, So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house. And he put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house. For Joseph's sake, the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and in field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food that he ate. And right here in these six verses, we see an example of Joseph ending up successful. He sold into slavery, and Joseph ended up successful. And if we skip down to verse 22 and 23, it reads, And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. So we see Joseph successful having been sold to slavery. We see Joseph successful having been thrown in prison on false charges. And then in, chapter, in Genesis 41, verses 39 and 40, we see Joseph successful in Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. You see, whatever the situation, whatever the circumstances were, Joseph would rise to the top. In our culture, we would say the cream rises to the top. And I don't think Joseph just walked in and was given those positions of responsibility and authority. I believe more so that those people watched him. They watched what he did. They watched his character. They could see the qualities in Joseph, his hard work. They could see his life. They could see that whatever he did, he gave his all. He was awarded position and power because in everything he did, in everything, even the little things, he sought excellence. And the way that Joseph handled himself is a great example for us. Just like him, we need to seek excellence in all that we do, regardless of what we're involved in, regardless of how insignificant it may seem, we should always give it our all. And Paul tells us in Colossians 3, 23 that whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if working for the Lord and not for man. And the main idea is that as believers, we are to give our best. We are representatives of Christ. We have to give our best. And that people should see in us something different than in others. And despite all the things that happened in Joseph's life, as these people looked upon his life, they saw that difference. They saw that there was something different than others in his life. Just like all the people Joseph came in contact with. Secondly, Joseph's life teaches us to live lives of integrity, doesn't it? One thing that can definitely be said about Joseph is that he lived a life of integrity And a simple way of thinking about integrity is this, doing what's right when no one is watching. However, we as believers know that God is all-knowing and he's omnipresent, he's everywhere. So we never do something without someone watching. But Joseph lived a life of honesty and moral purity or moral uprightness. And we consider his honesty in in Genesis 37, verse two, it says, Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. From an early age, we can see that Joseph was a straight shooter. And I'm not sure that his brothers really liked his honesty. And I can remember growing up in, in my family, and sometimes there would be that, that Joseph making a report to bring back to mom and dad. Sometimes you were the Joseph, and you're just taking inventory of all this wrongdoing. Sometimes you were on the other side of that, <laughs> and the inventory was taken on you. And then you had to try and cozy your way into graces so that report is softened as it gets back. But Joseph was a straight shooter. And in Genesis 40, verses one through 19, we see that we see him being straightforward and honest. In these verses, he's talking about the cupbearer and the baker who put him in prison. And he told it to them exactly like it was. And then in Genesis 41, we see him interpret Pharaoh's dreams honestly. You see, all through Joseph's life, we see a man of his word, someone who just shoots straight, doesn't spin it. His yes is yes and his no is no. His honesty demonstrates integrity, and he was a man of moral purity. In Genesis 39, we are told of a story. Well, there's a story of a situation of Joseph faced with where he demonstrates this moral purity. And picking up in 39, verse 6, kind of 6B, it says this. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said... And as she spoke to Joseph, day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her or to be with her. Notice that this wasn't a one time event. In verse 10, it says, Day after day, she would come, and there was no one around. He could have probably gotten away with it pretty easily, and his life would have probably been even easier. But he didn't give in, did he? He wouldn't give in. He was concerned with what it would do to his master. But even more than his earthly master, he was concerned about the fact that it would constitute a sin against God. His moral purity demonstrated that he was a man of integrity. And for us in the way that we look through that, we live in a morally depraved society. And we experience this every day. Things that were once thought shameful, things that were once looked at upon as sin, are no longer looked at upon in those ways. We see it all around us. We see man try to manipulate the Bible to suit our sinful lives. Instead of acknowledging our sinful hearts and transforming those to meet the word. We live in that depravity. And sadly, everyone's doing it. And as I tell my boys day after day, just because everyone's doing it doesn't make it right. It never does. Regardless of how desensitized our society becomes to sin, it doesn't change the fact that sin is sin. Everybody may be doing it, But one day, everybody is going to stand before God and give an account for what they've done. As believers, you and I are called to a different standard. We are called to follow Joseph's example and lead lives of integrity. Joseph's life teaches us, thirdly, to maintain a positive attitude when treated unfairly. And when you look at Joseph's life, I think that you can see that he was treated unfairly. He was sold into slavery by his brothers. He was falsely accused of attempted rape. He was thrown into prison on trumped-up charges. He experienced some unfairness in his life. But I want you to notice that Joseph never let these things get the best of him, did he? He never allowed his current circumstances or situation to define the rest of his life. He didn't get all down and out and just say, you know, nothing good ever happens to me, or I was just destined for disaster. Regardless of his circumstances, he kept the right attitude. He continued to press on. He continued to move forward. He could have given up in the well, couldn't he? He could have given up when he was sold. He could have given up when he was falsely accused for rape and thrown into prison. But he didn't. He maintained a positive attitude, and he pressed on. So how do we apply that? Number one, we never, never give up. Don't let your present circumstances dictate the rest of your life. Regardless of where you are, you don't know what God has planned for you. And we know that in all of our circumstances, he's using it to make us more like Jesus. So, just keep pressing forward and living a life that's pleasing to God. And number two, maintain a positive attitude, even when things don't seem fair. Regardless of what happens to you, regardless of what others say, regardless of your circumstances, stay positive about life. Remember, as we sang earlier, you are a child of God. This life is just temporary, a mist. A vapor. God's promised you to have eternal life waiting. And that's an eternal life that is perfect. Number four, Joseph's life teaches us to practice forgiveness. And this is probably one of the most obvious virtues about Joseph, isn't it? He knew what forgiveness was all about. Think about his brothers. He had every reason to hate these guys. They threw him in an abandoned well. They sold him. They talked about killing him before they sold him. He had every right or every reason to hate these guys, but he didn't. When I read that, it it makes me stop and pause and reflect. Would I, if I was Joseph, do I forgive in the same capacity that despite all of that, I could easily forgive We read on in chapter 42 about the famine that was coming into the land and how Joseph's brothers would have to come to Egypt to get grain. That they would face Joseph years later after selling him and he could have thrown them all into prison. I can't read that without thinking in my own heart, where would I be? Would I be on that spectrum? Seeking that justice I deserve? Or, just like Joseph, just offering forgiveness for him. Potiphar, or Potiphar's wife. Or the cupbearer who forgot about him when he was in prison. Nothing more is said about those. But I think that there is an argument from silence based on Joseph's character that it would be absolutely consistent for Joseph to forgive them. In Genesis 45, verse 8, talking to his brothers, it says... It was not you who sent me here, but God. You see, Joseph practiced genuine forgiveness. He didn't carry a grudge. He didn't use the past to beat up on his brothers or the others who had wronged him. He didn't hold guilt over their heads. He just forgave them. And we can learn a lot from Joseph as it comes to forgiveness, can't we? One that we need to have a forgiving spirit. When we carry around a grudge or harbor bad feelings because of what someone has done to us, it just hurts us. It takes away our energy. It causes us to be less effective. Unfortunately, many times it causes us to act unchristlike. It damages our relationships. And we don't even have to look far to see how that happens. We can see unforgiveness damage, marriages, families. We see it in the church. And in Matthew 6, 14, Jesus gives us some positive reinforcement as it relates to forgiveness. He says this, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But to what extent? A little bit of forgiveness? Well, In Psalm 103, we we see clearly, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us, infinitely. But he doesn't stop there. And it it would be nice just to camp out and and end that in, in verse 14, but Jesus continues, and then he gives us negative reinforcement in verse 15. He says, but if you do not forgive others their trespasses... Neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Hmm. Joseph's life was changed, wasn't it? Changed forever because of his brothers. And I think around this room we could all go through and we could talk about how our life is different based on the actions of others. How our life has been forever changed Based on this, and I would challenge you, that if in that there's not forgiveness, to make that right, to forgive, just as we see this example through Joseph and through Jesus' command to forgive others. Joseph's life was changed forever, yet he freely offered forgiveness. Is there someone that you've been holding back forgiveness From. Fifth, Joseph Life teaches us that fulfilling God's purpose for our lives is more significant than our experiences along the way. That fulfilling God's purposes for our lives is more significant than our experiences along the way. And this observation really sums up everything that we've talked about, and to be honest with you, it's really what we see week after week as we dive into the scriptures. And when you look at Joseph's life, the way that he approached everything, he did it with excellence. He lived a life of integrity. He maintained a positive attitude. He practiced forgiveness. But he was able to live the way that he does because he looked beyond himself, beyond his own wants and desires. He was interested in fulfilling God's purpose for his life. Remember what he said to his brothers about all that had happened to him. And talking to his brothers, he said, it was not you who sent me here, but God. Joseph's life is a great illustration of what happens when you put God first in your life. Even though at times it may seem like your world is falling apart, even though you may not understand all that is going on, you know, just like Joseph, you need to stay focused on making God your first and top priority. You need to do Matthew 6, to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Live your life for Christ. Live by his instructions. Keep pressing on. Don't get caught up in the details. But remember that it's his purpose, it's his plan that ultimately matters. As we talked about that new normal, the question I want to leave you with is, what would our lives look like if we made these things our new normal? If we take these principles from Joseph's life and we make them our new normal, We practice forgiveness like he did. We seek excellence in all that we do, in all the other ways. How would that transform our lives if those were our new normal? And how much more would we see lives changed in our community, in our families, in our communities, and all over the world? But in order to make that the new normal, it starts with a relationship with the Lord. Because to be honest with you, we are sinners. And apart from Jesus, we can't make those things any kind of new normal. It's only through Jesus that we can. And just to be totally honest with you, it's hard to even desire those things apart from Jesus. But he has sent us his son. And if you've never received Jesus, if you've never surrendered your heart to him, You don't have to leave here today with that undone. You can begin to live a life similar to Joseph. God says that in his word, it says that we are all sinners, every one of us, and that the wages or what we earn from that sin is death. But here's the hopeful part is that while we were sinners, Jesus died for us. You didn't get good enough for Jesus to die for you while you were a sinner, while we were sinners. Jesus died for us. And I want to pray with you this morning. If God's working in your heart and is pulling you and drawing you near to him, I want to pray with you. And there's nothing special about the prayer and there's absolutely nothing special about the person praying for you. So if you'll bow your head with me, I just want to pray. Father God, You are sovereign and holy over all things. Father, you are the creator, and we are your creation. You designed and desire us to have a relationship with you, and and we confess that we are sinners. We confess that we need Jesus. We need the blood of Jesus washing over us, that we could never earn it, we could never deserve it. But God, we thank you for making a way through Jesus that we can be reconciled to you, that we don't have to pay for our sin and we don't have to die. Because Jesus died in our place that when you look upon us, you would see us covered in his righteousness. So Father, have your way in our hearts. Help us die to ourselves that we might find life in you forgive me of all of my sin. Help me to believe, Father. I love you, but only because you first loved me. Amen. And if you are a believer and God has been working in your heart in some way, we want you to, to relieve that burden. We want you to leave that unforgiveness. Whatever it is that he's doing, just come and lay it at the cross. Or there are people in the back that would joyfully pray with you. Whatever God is doing in your heart and whatever he's calling you to do, if you'll be obedient to him, all will be right.